Good evening. I'm nervous. I didn't think I was going to be nervous, but I am. I didn't think there'd be so many people here. Well, Shabbat Shalom. And what a peaceful Sabbath um, to each of you. I am so filled with joy and love right now. If I cry, just know that there are tears of joy. I am just so humbled and grateful to be here. I want to begin by thanking uh, Rabbi Beth Singer for her very gracious invitation to join you. I'm grateful also for my friend, probably a friend that we all share, Abby Porth. You guys know Abby? She's amazing. We went to high school together. Although she's a few years older than me. Lowell High School, if anyone is wondering. Okay, some Lowell lights in the house. Wonderful. So um, tonight, um, we join in blessings to fulfillment of uh, the biblical commandment in Exodus. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is Sabbath of Adonai, your God. That's Exodus 20, verses 9 through 10. As I have prepared remarks, I'm going to pepper my own personal story and weave things in so that you walk away tonight with a good sense of who I am. But most importantly, you know exactly where my values are. The discussion that I want to share with you tonight is quite honestly somber reflections of, of moments in our collective and in our shared history together. And, um, and so God commands that we rest on this evening and throughout tomorrow until sundown so that we can contemplate that which is most important our family, our loved ones, those in need, and what we can do together to make next week productive, joyful, and a time of service to all. Although we rest, God, we all know, doesn't. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for that because I really do want someone watching my back, making a way, and sometimes I feel like there is no clear path and there is no way. This power source that people have acknowledged for centuries, unlike our mortal being, is infinite and knows no bounds. And as we contemplate our most important relationships and think about how to best use the time which is granted to us on this earth, we should use the day, this day, this day of rest, to dream big dreams. When I, when I was growing up here in San Francisco, my mother and my father, they instilled in me the importance of prayer and of worship. And since, um, since I was a child, I've always believed that God, that with God, all things are possible. And Matthew 19.26 reminds us of that. Here's a little caveat for you. My father's a pastor, everyone. So bear with me. Because I believe in citing your source. I'm a graduate student from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that is the one thing they drove in us. Cite your source. So if you don't mind, I will be citing the source um, that really guides me. 
as I make my way in my journey in this life on earth. The possibility of doing good things for others is our highest calling because in providing service to others, we also serve God. In providing service to others, we also serve God. My life is a life filled with service, public service. And in these trying times and complex times, quite frankly, service can be a tall order. I don't want to offend any Republicans, but we've got some challenges as a country. We could not be, but we shouldn't be discouraged by the immensity of the challenges before us. And quite frankly, we should not be afraid of the tasks that lie awaiting for us. We are together in this space, in this time, in this moment, in this place of worship. We are joined together in, quite frankly, a fantastic, rich tradition. A tradition of brotherhood, a tradition of sisterhood, and in many public and private ways, we know that the Jewish community and the African-American community have linked arms and stood for justice. As we reflect on Black History Month, it's coming to a closure now. We should remember some of the history, which is, again, our shared history, a history that binds us together. I want to acknowledge a few points in our history. In 1929, a man named Louis Isaac Jaffe, the editorial writer of the Norfolk, Virginia Pilot, won a, Pilot's, won a Pulitzer Prize for denouncing lynching. Now that was a novice idea in 1929. In 1957, during the early days of the Civil Rights Movement, Rabbi Ira Sanders of Little Rock, Arkansas, testified against segregationist bills in Arkansas State Legislature. Rabbi Perry Nossbaum of Jackson, Mississippi, Rabbi, Jack, uh, Rabbi Jacob Rothschild of Atlanta, Emmett Frank of Alexandria, and Frank, uh, excuse me, Charles Mantebran of Atlanta spoke out for civil rights despite the harsh rebukes, despite the death threats, they stood in the face of segregationists. The price of this for one year, from November 1957 to October 1958, Jewish community buildings were bombed in Atlanta, in Nashville, in Jacksonville, and in Miami. And dynamite was found in other synagogues in Birmingham, Charlotte, Gastonia, and also North Carolina. Now I promise you this is not just a sad message. There is light and love at the end. But it's important to remember where we're coming from in our shared history. Freedom writers like our own former supervisor, Carol Ruth Silver. Do you guys remember Carol Ruth Silver? She went out south to lend her support, and quite, and frankly, she also risked her physical safety for civil rights. Ms. Ruth Silver was a, is a righteous Jewish woman that marched for my freedom, my ancestors' freedom, my forefather and grandmother's freedom. She picketed, she registered voters, she stood the moral high ground against hatred and bigotry. Tragically, in 1964, two young Jewish men from New York, uh, Andrew Goodman and Michael Scherner, oh, who said that? 
Nobody did their homework. <laughs> you know them? Wow, small world. They joined African Americans in Mississippi, James Cheney, to do voter registration where they were murdered by racist Ku Klux Klan killers outside of Philadelphia, Mississippi. They died together so that we can all live in freedom. So today in these turbulent times of tiki torch marches, uh, times of fake news, it's important that these moments in history are not lost and not forgotten. Remembering our history today, remembering our history now in this space. We cry and our hearts bleed whenever we hear the atrocities like the cold-blooded killing of nine African-American worshipers who gathered for prayer in, in Emmanuel, African-American Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Do you remember that? Do you remember Dylan Roof? He was a 21-year-old white supremacist that walked in a house of worship and opened fire. We cry and our hearts bleed when we hear of the atrocities like the cold-blooded murder of 11 worshipers who had gathered for Shabbat morning service at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Squirrel Hill, Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. And in the midst of our tears and in the midst of our sorrow, we, gain, we again join hands in common purpose. Just as we did during the Civil Rights Movement, just as we did during the days to reaffirm which joins us together as man and woman and brother and sister and as Americans. And that that joins us together is our belief in social justice, our commitment to service of others. Now, one thing that I want to stress is that issues come and go. Issues, they come and go. But one thing that doesn't change are police, people's, people's belief systems, their value systems. If you value your family, that will never change, no matter what the issues are. And the belief in social justice and service for others has been a mainstay in my life. It's a belief that I carried with me when I served on the Board of Supervisors, and a belief that I brought with me in my role as the chair of the California State Board of Equalization. Now let's pause there. You're probably thinking, what the heck is the BOE? She's saying yes, tell me. Let me share a little bit with you, um, because being committed to social justice and service means that we also must be clear in, in our defining moments of our critical, most critical problems, and important for us to be, to, 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 to be dedicated to finding workable, real solutions. So here in San Francisco, where I was born, where I was raised, where I still live, I know that we have many critical challenges, and I face, I face these challenges every day, head on, but in great challenges comes great opportunity, an opportunity for us to join and seek a common excellence which, can, which we can shape a better world for the little ones that are here with us today. And as the chair of the BOE, part of my role is overseeing the work of 58 county assessors. And um, these county assessors assess California property value, $5.7 trillion worth of property value, a real property in the state of California. Now, this number is not to show off, but to show you that each one of these pieces of property generate over $62 billion in revenue, revenue, and they fund our schools. 
They fund and assure that local government services, such as our first responders, have the tools that they need to be effective. So what I'm trying to do is connect the dots. Yes, I'm your friendly tax collection agency. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, I think Jesus threw out the money changers out of the, uh, out of the temple. But I want to really highlight that this responsibility has opened my eyes daily to the important work that is being done by public servants to address our most critical problems. And frankly, raising tax revenue shouldn't just be a dull topic. I'm trying to bring it back, I'm trying to make it glamorous so everyone gets excited about taxes, not just paying them, but understanding where they go and how we benefit from it collectively. Because, you know, this revenue puts teachers to work. We see what our teachers are fighting and, do, and struggling in Oakland. It funds social workers who can reach out to the homelessness and address that crisis, our shared crisis. It's not their crisis, it's ours. Fund emergency workers who will respond to earthquakes, fires, floods, and any and every other natural disaster. With adequate revenue, we can build public and private partnerships. We can rebuild infrastructure. Anybody take the Muni here? Yes, it could use a little love. Yes, mass transit. We need resources to, to, to continue to move people and to make sure that our University of California education system remains one of the greatest institutions of higher learning, and it should remain affordable. With adequate tax revenues, we can make sure that vital programs like Social Security, Medicare, and Veterans Administration remain strong and fully funded. And as you know, in this day and age, government budgets are statements of values, public policy. They measure more than just words. They measure our true commitment, our true commitment to building a future for the next generations to come. When I was the president of the Board of Supervisors, I was uh, fortunate to serve San Francisco as chair of the budget committee where we passed an $11 billion budget for services. And now that I'm a state constitutional officer and part of the California state government, which helps spend $209 billion on such diverse needs of health and human services, K through 12 education, transportation, the maintenance of natural resources, and unfortunately also corrections and rehabilitation. Each of these responsibilities of, of, of the state government touches people and affects their everyday lives. Our role as elected officials and as good citizens is to always ask the tough questions. Are we doing the right things? Are we fighting for freedom? For whom are we working for? Lobbyists? Lawyers? Corporations? No. What can we be doing more of? What should we be doing less of? Will our work contribute to solving problems or, quite frankly, are we creating problems? These are all important questions. And in other words, we must ask if we're doing... Sadaka? Sadaka. Ah. Hey, I'm a work in progress here, okay? <laughs> Bear with me here. In other words, are we being just and right just in our actions? So as I'm here tonight with friends who share with me a long history of commitment to service, let me just say that it's always been my hope and my belief that our hands will be joined together as we work um, 
to fully engage in addressing many of the challenges that not only our city, state, but also our country are facing. And as we begin this Sabbath, let us be thankful for the common history which are lie, which lives in our hearts and inspire us every day. And at that, I close with Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.